to the Muddy Pulpit Podcast, where two pastors talk about the questions that keep your faith up at night. We hope you enjoy the show. Hey, 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 welcome back to the Muddy Pulpit Podcast. It's episode 12, and oh boy, we got a we got a hot one today. Mm-mm. <laughs> what are your thoughts on the decline of the mainline Protestant church? Ugh. Now, to be honest, Kyle and I do not want to touch this question with a 10-foot pole, so we're going to touch it today with a 20-foot pole and hopefully not say anything that gets uh, the denominational police sent after us <laughs> or anything like that. Um, we don't want to turn this into a giant rant, um, but nonetheless, I, I think this is an important question to ask because as many of you have probably heard, the mainline denominations um, are declining, uh, or they have been declining since the 1970s. Um, so I'm referring specifically to the United Methodist Church, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, our very own PCUSA, the Episcopal Church, American Baptist Churches, United Church of Christ, and Disciples of Christ, uh, the so-called seven sisters um, of mainline Protestantism. Now, of course, um, Catholics, yeah, they're, they're on the decline too. Um, you know, so this isn't just a, a Protestant thing. It seems to be affecting the whole of uh, Christians in this country. We're getting less religious, it seems like. I'm sure many of you have also seen those reports of just people are kind of walking away from the church overall. So in some ways, this is kind of a denominational issue, but it's really a broader church issue in this country. And the reason why it's peculiar, I think, for our country is because when you look elsewhere outside of the United States, Christianity is growing. And it's growing like crazy. Um, I'm sure you've heard of the um, hidden church in China, um, south of the border. There's a lot of growth in South American countries. Africa. Africa. Yeah, it's just Christianity is growing like crazy yeah. around the world. But for some reason, in America, we as a denomination are on a decline. Now, why is that? Boy, that that isn't that such a broad question? When you look at these other countries that are booming in their faith, you, gosh, from the from the outside in, I don't know them personally, but from the outside in, it would just seem like they, what the stories I hear is that they're so hungry for the gospel, they're so hungry for hope, and and there are people that's probably not built themselves up to be so big that say that. Well, I'm too good for religion. I can handle all this stuff. I am rational, and I and I have the intelligence to be able to handle. And instead, people who who have seen life get really, really tough, and and whose hearts are open to to the Holy Spirit to come into them and to live in them. You know, there's a reference to if if your cup is already full of your own of yourself, let's just say that, mm-hmm. then there's no more room for a God to fill you up. But instead, if your cup is empty, or if your cup is half empty, you have room then to to allow God to come and live in you. And I, I feel like these other places, 
they're they're hungry for hope. Yeah. Where here we have all sorts of false hope that we offer our people. We offer great food, and we offer entertainment, and we offer well, you know, in in the dark places, there's drugs and alcohol and all of those things that you can fill that empty void with here. And and you know, I I think here in the U.S. too, there's this there's this movement. Uh, whether some people want to admit it or not, there's a there's a movement from we could say media, we could say general education in some places, um, but this movement to say that religion causes the problems in the world that that because we look back in history and we've seen where religion has has done some atrocious things. We don't want to circle back around and do that. Let's be an enlightened people. Let's be a people that don't need religion. Instead, let's just try to do good and and then get rid of the need for religion at all. Yeah, yeah. And something else um, struck me, which is that, you know, Jesus said, narrow is the gate, mm-hmm. right? And I think in this country, we, we have it really good. Um, yes. we, we just have a lot of wealth and excess and creature comforts and we have a lot of baggages and uh like good kind of ba- bags not bad baggage and when we try to squeeze through that gate it's really hard mm. and i think maybe for the opposite reason in this country it's really easy to be a christian we have churches everywhere we can consume our church programs online from the comfort of our phone we can go on youtube you know, in other countries that aren't as developed, it's hard to be a Christian if if it's not already illegal to be a Christian. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I, I like that idea of the gate, too, because I feel like in some ways we have swung the gate so wide open here in mm-hmm. the U.S., which is what, what we should do, right? The gate should be wide open. We should have our arms open and say, hey, everyone, we want—you are our brothers and sisters, no matter what your— creed, color, race, whatever, you are welcome here. But but at the same time, we haven't backed that up with uh, the idea that, that becoming a person of faith means then that you are transformed into a new person. And so that gate has just stayed open, and it's gotten really big, and, and you know, it's lost its power in the fact that, well, what's the difference of being a Christian and being a person who's not a Christian? I mean— they do the same thing because they don't change their life. They don't recognize that, you know, the the way they're doing some things are wrong. They don't talk about, you know, it, it, we remove the idea of sin. We remove the idea of it takes work to be a person of faith. And then you water down what what religion is. Right. And that might be part of what's driving this decline of mainline Protestant churches, because I think perhaps since the 1970s, when um, statisticians started tracking these things, and when there were a lot of denominational um, differences uh, that, that, that were that were bubbling up due to politics or whatever, uh, there have been movements within these denominations to become more inclusive, to try and say, you know what, um, we want to make sure everybody is welcome in the church. And that's a great thing. Yeah, and you know, what the funny thing is, is 
well, was the church not welcoming before? That's the funny thing to, to me is that from my point of view, the church has always been the most welcoming place on the planet. And don't you think, though, in, in some ways, the, the church, too, has, has appeared in, in a lot of places um, been elitist? Yeah. Though I mean, yeah. it, it, it's been, um, it's, it's it's been very um, hypocritical, and in in a way that it said, yeah, you know, we are a people for everyone. However, you need you do need to look like us, or you do need to act exactly like this, or you know, we we say, yeah, we're we're open for everybody, but you've got to worship exactly like this. Like mm-hmm. if you don't, you know, if you don't do it exactly the way that we do it, then then you really don't fit here. So I, I I agree with what you're saying that we are a church that has that has worked to be all inclusive. But have we really been that? Had, had or has our broken nature of people within the church caused that image to get messed up and say, you know, they really are not an accepting people? I, yeah. You know, I, I somebody had suggested at one point if you really want to be an open church, um Put something on your on your banner outside that's really just controversial, and um, that that says we welcome these people. And and somebody suggested, hey, how about if we put on the banner, smokers are welcome here. And you think because in our culture, boy, if you're a smoker, you you can't be around. Yeah, you can't. That's nasty. Yeah, that's nasty. You you can't come inside. You can't. I mean, wow, the, the church would just be appalled with the idea. <laughs> well, no, there's not going to be any smoking here. Yeah. Well. That's what it. That's what it means. It means to accept people that um, Jesus that, went to the smoke pit. Yeah, there you go. So accept <laughs> people who are different from you. Accept people who you, you, even though you're not a smoker, you're okay with somebody coming who is a smoker or or whatever label you want to put there. Right now, let, let me uh, argue from a devil's advocate point of view right now. Um, for, let me try to put on my my Catholic hat and say. The reason why you Protestants are experiencing all this decline is because you broke away from the true church 500 years ago, and it's your own fault that you want to rebel with your Protestantism and do your own thing. Well, look at where it's gotten you. If you had just kissed the ring and stayed with the Pope, we could have taken good care of you. How how does that work? How's that working? Well... The, the Catholics, um, you know, th- their perspective on this situation is that they have what might be called a controlling interest um, or in, in terms of keeping people on board. So the, the reason why uh, they haven't had any um, splits like our denomination has historically between, because uh, just to give you a quick little tidbit, the... Um, there were multiple Presbyterian denominations before the Civil War. Then after the Civil War, a bunch of them came together. That's when PCUSA was formed. And then in 1973, there was a big split, and that's when the Presbyterian Church of America was formed. Now, a Catholic would say, we don't have that sort of splitting and you know, uh, convergence that's going back and forth. We just have this one denomination, the Catholic denomination, and we try to keep things the way they are. And 
Well, Protestant Reformation came along and said, no, actually, we want to split from you guys, and we want to worship in a way that's more reflective of what the apostles did. And so hundreds of years later, we now have so many Protestant denominations that you can probably, depending on however you want to worship, there's a denomination for you. Yeah. And and that's a you know that that's a good thing and it's a bad thing. It's yeah. a, it's a bad thing in that we should be united with all of our brothers and sisters. Yeah. Which is why we we believe as strong as as a strong part of our um our system here is we believe that we are connected to all these other churches that you've named. We believe that in the ecumenical church that it's important that we are all one church. Yes. Yeah. So when we do World Communion Sunday, we literally say, yeah, we're, we are joining together with the Methodists and the Episcopalians, and we are one church. However, we haven't been able to get along in the same kind of style of worship or same polity, so, you know, we've broken off in our own ways. There's, so there's, there's positives and there's negatives to that. It's, it, it's, so, you know, church needs to be a place where, where you can worship comfortably and something that, you know, that feels right to your heart and your soul and... Um, so the difference, different denominations aren't a terrible thing as long as we are never at any point at odds with one another, in right. my opinion. Yeah, and I, I think that this conversation can be a little skewed when we start getting into, well, who has more members than whom? And it's like, I don't think it's, it's necessarily about that. It's, it's not about, well, whose church is biggest, whose steeple is tallest. Um, you know, the, the kind of conversation that we need to be having is the ecumenical one, mm. which is, you know, going back to the, to our main question, you know, on the decline of the Protestant church, what can we as Presbyterians, while partnering with all the other denominations, do in order to maintain or get back to a point where we have a strong presence in our communities, where people are showing up on Sunday, where people are interested in, in coming to church, where they're reading the Bible more. You know, what can we do? And that, I think, is the more important question to ask. Mm. And I think it can only be answered at a local congregational level because um, here's something a little controversial that, um, so I'll just go ahead and say that, but I don't think the, um, our denomination from some office somewhere um, can send out an email and fix all of the problems that are going on. It's like, there, there's nothing that... There's I, there's nothing controversial yeah. about that. I mean, that's, yeah. that, is a, that is a fact. And when you, when we talk about, you know, the, all the different denominations, and you talked a minute ago about the Presbyterian Church being formed, we, we have to face the, the big elephant in the room is that our denomination has gone through a huge attrition and lots of people have left our denomination. Lots of churches have left PCUSA. And and part of that, uh, I can give my purpose of, of why that is, and maybe we'll get to that in a minute. But um, yeah, I know, that's, <laughs> that's the muddy stuff. But, but where we've ended up as a denomination is basically kind of a war against conservative, liberal, um, progressive, wh- wh- wherever you want to put those lines. But for so many, so many years, this, this debate had gone on in our General Assembly, and it had been going this one way for, you know, meeting after meeting after meeting, General Assembly. And then one year it went the other way. 
And when it went the other way, it was like the whole right side just said, well, I'm leaving then. So, mm-hmm. so all of those churches and, and, you know, it'd be, let's say maybe the conservative churches, all of those conservative churches said, well, we're just going to make our own denomination. We're going to step out here and go away because, you know, we think it should be this way. Yeah. Well, for one, I, I, I believe that, that we're all playing in the same ball game and nobody gets to take their ball and leave. Yeah. Like we are brothers and sisters. We need to all remain together and work through our differences and try to have a uniform, unified front. And, and so as these churches have, have left the denomination, you know, I asked the question, which, which the paper picks up very differently. The paper says, oh, the Presbyterian Church USA does this now. And, and what most people don't realize is what happened at that split was the, the Presbyterian Church decided to remove stuff from our book of order. It wasn't a matter of saying, hey, you've got to do this, and so people left. Mm-hmm. It was a matter of, you know what? We have local churches. Let's say we have a local church in San Francisco, and we have a local church in New York City, and we have a local church in Greenwood, South Carolina, and we have a little church out in Saluda, and a little church at, you know, are all of these churches going to see eye to eye and be exactly the same on the kinds of mission things that they face? No. The, the yeah. type of topics that, that New York City's working on is very different from the kind of stuff that we're working on here. You know, I feel, if I can name it, I, I feel like something we, we work on in, in Greenwood is, you know, mental health. I think we work on addiction. I think those are, are a bigger topic for us here than sexuality. So, um, so what we did as a denomination is said, we're going to allow the local presbyteries and the local churches to, to work these things out locally as opposed to as a denomination. And so that decision was enough for the conservative churches to say, well, if you're not going to put your foot down on this issue, then we're leaving. And, you know, my heart goes with them um, because I can agree on a lot of their points, but at the same time, um, it's it, it, we tried to open that door up. And now the Methodist church is, is coming up to that. And I don't know as much about what's going on with the Methodist church, but it's yeah. kind of scary looking at them. I love the Methodist they're, church. They're looking at a split. Yeah. I, Gosh, and, and I hate that. I hate that. There's elements of worship that the Methodists do that I just I just absolutely love. I love the kneelers. Um, I wish we had kneelers in the Presbyterian church. <laughs> I, love, I, I, I just love lots of things um, in the Methodist church. And I hate to see that this unit... This United Methodist Church is is now not going to be united, and that that really breaks my heart. Yeah, you know th- this reminds me of a phrase that um, a theologian called Brian McLaren threw out about fifteen years ago, uh, called a generous orthodoxy. So, what he means by that is, um, if you were to think of our denomination as an umbrella, and we want to have our umbrella as big as possible so that we can have, we can incorporate a diverse uh, congregational body as diverse as possible, then, well, you need to have some sort of allowance for disagreement. You need to, you need to let opinions be opinions if, and this is a huge if, if we can agree on the most essential things about the Christian faith. And I think 
that's where we can see eye to eye with our Protestant brothers and sisters. That's even perhaps, dare I say, we can see eye to eye with our Catholic brothers and sisters. You know, we all confess Christ as our Lord and Savior. We all recognize that he died for our sins, that he rose from the grave, and that he is going to return triumphantly. And I think if we can affirm that, we can perhaps become the most powerful organization again in the world. But, I, there's, yeah, there's, there's a big but there. There's a big, there's a big yeah. A big that, if and a big but. Yeah, the, the problem here is, is, is the Christocentric piece. That, well, I don't mean to say that as a problem. The issue is I don't think that everyone is on board now with making Christ the center what? of Christianity. What? <laughs> uh oh. I, I this is the mud meter muddy. just went up. I believe this is this is big time mud. I I believe that in order for a church to thrive, and I've been blessed to be in thriving churches and, and to and to be a part of congregations that were on fire for Christ. And I, as, as a pastor, pride myself on every single Sunday, whenever a music director comes up to me every Sunday, every Sunday he asks, what are you preaching on today? My answer every Sunday is Jesus, Jesus. Christ, is Jesus. All you need to know is Jesus, my prayer partner You just used to say. All you got to know is Jesus. And so I've focused on that piece, and, and we can rally around that one piece. And I believe that if a church is ever going to thrive, is ever going to live, it, the, the focus needs to remain the focus. If we are Christians, Christ needs to be the center. Now, I, I say that this is muddy because part of what part of what a lot of the debate is out there is this um, this idea that that being ecumenical means that we are multi faith. No, we are Christian, mm-hmm. and and Christian means that we are followers of Christ, and we believe that Christ is the only way to sanctification, is the only way to God. And that is what being Christian means. Now, you can be tolerant of other people and not go to war with people who have differing opinions, and you can work with people of other religions on the same mission, and you can be of same mind, you can live in the same community. All of those things are wonderful, but we're not about to invite someone of a different faith who is not a Christian to come into our Christian church and apologize that we're saying Christ in our worship service. It's that's where I feel like a, a lot of a lot of the church has gotten lost. Is if we are Christian, we are Christian. If you are multi faith, then you're multi faith. If you're if you're Muslim, then you're Muslim. If you're whatever, I can go on a name. If a Unitarian Universalist, mm-hmm. then then that's then that's you, and that's fine. But we are Christian. <laughs> yep. And I think um, another part of that, and and what might be the problem here with whether or not the church is focused on Christ, is that perhaps. There are some churches, some denominations that have lost sight of Jesus, and they have made it 
their mission to pursue other things. Yes. Now, what are those other things there? Oh, what, what yeah, you're going to make me say these things. So, <laughs> um, I, I think right now, I'll, I'll try and I'll, I'll bring this back to Jesus. Um, I think in our in our culture today, the hottest issue, theologically, uh, politically, is that of identity. Mm-hmm. And as a people, we are struggling to identify who we are. Wow. And we have forgotten that we are made in the image of God. We have forgotten that we have been purchased by Jesus yes. and that he has called us into a relationship with him. And I think there are some some people who are taking that for granted and that perhaps they've even just forgotten it. And they've gone off and they've assumed that they have the right to identify themselves however they want. And because of that, they are pursuing things that Jesus would not pursue. Hmm. Now, that's a controversial statement because you could argue, by quoting New Testament scriptures, no less, that Jesus was all about mingling with the undesirables of our society. Hmm. Uh, you know, he he hung out with sinners and tax collectors and people that, um, you know. We might say civilized folk wouldn't give a uh, get along with. Um, so th- the question there, I think, is about outreach, and it might be more so uh, about what the local church can do in terms of its local mission and outreach versus what the denomination has sort of established by saying. Oh, we want as a denomination to focus on X, Y, and Z. And well, we could, as a local church, come back to that and and say, yeah, X, Y, and Z are important, sure, but only through the lens of Christ, only in the way Jesus would see X, Y, and Z. And I think we've we've lost sight of how Jesus sees the issues that we're struggling with today. And that could be for a, a bunch of different reasons. Um, and that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> well, you just danced all around that, didn't you? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, so so let's, we've talked about the brokenness, and we've talked about splitting, and we've talked about, um, you know, how maybe some churches have lost their way. And and I, I, I just want to, I just want to reiterate what basically I'm, I have a, a sermon series right now that we're doing is uh, is on rebuilding, and I'm using Nehemiah because Nehemiah goes in and and rebuilds the the walls of Jerusalem, and 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 just is so passionate about doing this and succeeds at it. And so I I want us to focus after a year of COVID and after a time where the church, the church, the larger church, is losing its its allure is losing um, its people to to things like, dare I name it, you know, uh, traveling leagues, sports leagues, or, um, you know, it's always, I guess it's always been golf. We've always picked on guys for going to golf on Sunday or or whatever it is that, that we're losing people to. Um, wh- how do we rebuild and how do we build the church back together? And, you know, I, I think it, at the start of that, 
is is that we have to in 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 any organization you have to clarify what your mission is. Do we know what our mission is? Do we know what our purpose is? Can we all say that? And and you know I I hope that we can. But I go even a step further and say that you need to be laser focused on what on on who you are. And I like what you're saying by identity. You need to be laser focused on exactly who you are. And and for me, as I lead this church and as I, I, I every church that I will lead, to be focused on the mission of Christ, the 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 model that Christ lived, the love that He offered, the the sacrifice that He gave the selflessness that that he showed the the servanthood that he lived all of those needs to be aspects of our life we we at no point need to say oh we're all good you know just because we're different and we want to stay different well christ calls us from whatever whatever we are into something new into a new creation into be identified by christ and so you know if we're laser focused then then we focus on Christ, doing what Christ did. He reached out, he evangelized, he brought people into the community. Uh, so evangelism has to be central to what we do to build the church. Um, I, I think as a church, you know, we have lots of different types of churches, lots of different people who like different kinds of churches, kinds of worship. I, I think that you can't be everything to everybody. Mm-hmm. I think that you need to do what you do well very well and you need to practice excellence we need to be we need to be providing pastoral care to this community we we should be able to do that well we need to be able to do our style of worship beautifully i mean to the to the letter i think that and and we do what we do well sometimes we dabble in other things um and and see if we can do those things well but we really have to focus on being who we are in the model of who we understand Christ to be and what God, what we feel like Christ has called us to live into. And, and we can't really be everything to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's called, um, if I remember from my leadership studies, a hedgehog mindset. It's because a hedgehog, they'll, they'll find a little niche for themselves and they'll just burrow and they'll just, they'll thrive in that Mm -hmm. little niche. And, that perhaps is the way forward for us as a local church and maybe for our denomination. Do you want to pray us out, Kyle? Yeah, yeah, let's. Yeah, we need prayer after that one. Woo! <laughs> Gracious God, we are mindful of all of our brothers and sisters across this world who practice their faith differently but are strong followers of Jesus Christ and who who commit their lives to you. Lord, we just pray for all of them and all of those in our own church family, in our own denominational family, who who so desperately are trying to find the way. And and we just pray that you light the fire of the Holy Spirit inside of us, inside of all of our people, that this flame grows brightly and that people can feel the warmth of, of your love in the community and what our, our mission is, and that they may want to be a part of this family, um, to be able to worship together, to be able to serve together, to be able to um, unify our efforts in mission in the world together. 
So, Lord, everybody who's out there who feels like they're different and they don't fit in, remind them, Lord, that they all do because they find their identity in you and call them here so that we can all nurture one another in our faith. Lord, we thank you for being with us in this journey. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And be sure to check out Kyle's sermon this Sunday online. Go to YouTube, search for First Presbyterian Church at Greenwood. We'd love to have you. Take care. The Muddy Pulpit Podcast is a production of First Presbyterian Church of Greenwood, South Carolina. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your questions to Gordon at firstgreenwood.com or use the voice message feature on the Anchor app. Thanks and have a great day.